Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Omniboy, who is a music producer and performer based out of Los Angeles. Now, while Omniboy has an incredibly unique, upbeat style inspired by Japanese music, he isn't like so many musicians who have been making music since they were a tiny baby. Instead, he made his way into music through various twists and turns, dropping out of marketing school to start touring, and moving to LA to start his music career without having any real jobs or contacts lined up. And that's why I'm so excited about today's episode. We hear the message as audio people over and over that you have to be born into music and you have to be talented and you have to start when you're three years old. And Omniboy is a perfect example of how that isn't true and how you can still have a thriving music career, even if you get into it a little bit later. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Omniboy. So the first kind of question I have is, we have a similarity in that when we were growing up, we both didn't really have a love of music. It wasn't this instantaneous thing that just struck us by lightning or anything like that. So like not both of us grew up in like kind of non-musical families and stuff like that. So I'm curious, what was that impetus? Was there like a, a moment later on in your life where you're like, oh, it's music, it's for me? Or was it this kind of gradual oozing into it that got you interested in it? I, I think it was pretty gradual. But I, I also think that I just had this stigma or like idea in my head that like all musicians were like experts at something like they were like really smart and like well practiced and everything. Kind of like when somebody talks about coding or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm not trained in that specific thing. But then like we were all like messing with MySpace and people knew like really rudimentary coding. It just like I hadn't bridged the gap between like, oh, a musician could just be anybody making music. I thought that like all of the bands I was listening to, like they knew everything about music. They were like geniuses. Yeah. So, so what was that kind of like oozing into it, looking like that gradual thing? Like, was it picking up a keyboard first time and then be like, oh, this is cool? Or was it seeing a DAW? Like, what were kind of the steps that got you into it? I think, yeah, because keyboard was my first like instrument that I, that I owned. And I think, um, like learning like little songs from like video games or from Zelda or something like that. Like Zelda Ocarina of Time had all these like little like Ocarina tunes that were like pretty easy to play because from what I remember, there wasn't like a lot of chords. It was just like you were playing like a little melody. And I think the idea that I could just by ear be able to play that was like really empowering and encouraging. I was like, oh, like it's not magic. It's like like you can figure it out. And then like seeing somebody mess around in a DAW, that was a definite gradual thing because like a DAW to me was like a toy. I thought it was like a thing you you just like made noises in. And like real musicians had like the true studio, like this really cool treated room with like tons of instruments and keyboards and like the big USS Enterprise level, like uh, mixing board and stuff like that. And I was like, that's what a real musician is. And then like Fruity Loops is like what like little kids like me like make, make music on. But then like seeing other artists, like bigger artists, like accomplished artists be like, oh, I use Ableton or I use like GarageBand. And I was like, oh, wait a second. like. <laughs> 
I can do this then. Like if they're using the same thing I'm using. Yeah, yeah. It's like you almost realize like, oh, wait, it doesn't matter that much. Cool. Awesome. I can just dive in. And it's becoming more and more. I mean, like Billie Eilish and Phineas are famous for using like just stock logic, no third party anything. So it's becoming like even more accessible, which is so cool. So when you're getting familiarized with all this stuff, was there a training regimen? Because, you know, the standard thing we hear with so many musicians is like they practice 12 hours a day and that's all they do. And like they've been playing since they were three. Like, what did it look like for you? Was it just like, I'm going to pick things out by ear and poke at this doll or what was it? I mean, that was one of the main reasons I was like, oh, I can't be a musician because these kids have been playing like piano since they were like six or whatever. There was like this program called RPG Maker that like a few of my friends were like really into and... I got into it, too, and was, like, trying to, like, make games, like, make these, like, stupid little games. And while I was doing that, somebody had also given me, like, some free version of uh, FL Studio, of Fruity Loop. So I was, like, making little just noises, kind of, like, just, like, sounds. But I figured out how to, like, export it to MP3 and, like, import it into RPG Maker. And I was like, okay, if I can just do this, like, this is, like, a fun game. Like, I guess I saw it, like, after school. It was, like... The same as like playing video games, like I would do that for a little while, then I would like play Kingdom Hearts for a little while, then I would like it. I wasn't seeing it as like an art form at all. I was just like, this is like a fun little because I also made like flash videos and stuff like that and put stuff on DeviantArt. It was just it's funny, you know, because back then when you just have like all the time and no responsibilities, like you just you pour time into like just anything. (laughs) And like music was just one of those things I poured it into. I love it. And yeah, it's funny. Those things that you pour stuff into inform so much later on that you have no idea. Yeah, it's so weird. It's super weird, but it's awesome. You know, it it works out even though you weren't the stereotypical musician playing, you know, nonstop (laughs) with an angry Russian teacher 24-7. That's great. I love it because there's so many paths to this. There's so many. And you're extra interesting because I love how I think you have nine siblings or something like that. Am I crazy? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have nine siblings. None of the other ones ended up being musicians, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. Like, it's so perfect because, the, again, like hitting against all the stereotypes of like musical family and upbringing and all that. But you have nine siblings. None of them are musicians. And you also went to school for marketing, right? Like you were kind of yeah, forced to go was... <laughs> into that. <laughs> I just like tested into that. And I was like, OK, I lacked so much direction that they had all of those like placement tests, you know, that you can take. And it was like, well, you show an affinity for this and I was like well if I show an affinity for it then that might make it easier (laughs) and I was like I don't want my college time to be difficult so yeah I'll just do that marketing that makes sense where was your head during all that I'm sure it wasn't like the best thing in the world clearly because you you didn't stick with it (laughs) (laughs) I was also like playing in bands and stuff like that and I was like trying to figure out it was just like one of those things where you're like on autopilot for so long and you're just like, eventually this is going to make sense, right? Like I was like going to school for marketing and people were like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, I mean, I have rehearsal for like my band thing. I'm like playing in this like ska punk band and they're like, where's that going to go? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. But I don't know how to stop doing any of these things. Like, <laughs> so And so I, just, I went and I and like tested into marketing and I was doing that for a while and all of my siblings were very like physical. Like my brothers were like athletes and like even my sisters, you know, like one of my older sisters was like on the step team and that that was like her thing. And it was just, there was no musicians. So I didn't have any hand-me-down instruments or anything, but it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I love that. And like while you're doing all the band stuff, like how did you find your way into those? Was it were you playing keyboards or were you just saying like, I'll do whatever. Let me just figure it out. <laughs> it was literally I'll do whatever. <laughs> and I've talked to people about this and it, and it turned out that it wasn't that weird because like other people relate to it. But like I used to like in school and like in middle school, like I would like put my head down while I was listening to like Linkin Park or whatever. And I would just like daydream that like I was in Linkin Park, like I was Mike Shinoda and like, oh, here comes my verse. And I would like learn all the like words to like like a Linkin Park track. And I was like, I want to be in a band so bad because it was just like the epitome of cool. And when I was in high school, there were some people that were in bands and like it was just like that was it. And I remember somebody posting a MySpace bulletin that was like, we need a bass player. And I just lied. And I told them like, yeah, man, like, absolutely. Like, I can do that. And I just remember like that day, like going on like Ask Jeeves and everything and like Google and that, like just like how hard is it to play bass guitar? And like it ranging from people being like, oh, it's the easiest instrument in the world to like some people being like, yeah, but like people can tell if you're like an amateur bass player. And like I basically got my dad to purchase a used <laughs> bass from like somebody that played in the praise and worship band at my church. <laughs> And I just showed up to practice. I didn't even have an amplifier. Like, I actually didn't know anything about, like, guitars or anything. Like, I showed up and I didn't have an amplifier and I just had a quarter to play the bass with. I'd never been to a guitar center at that point. So I didn't know, like, there's a place to go. (laughs) And I showed up and I just, like, by ear, like, found the chords they were playing. Like, I wasn't doing anything interesting. I was just, like, playing, you know, the bass note of every chord. And they were like, I mean, he's okay. And they let me join. But... (laughs) At the time, I was, like, plugging my bass guitar into just, like, a speaker, like, a monitor, like, not, like, an amp or anything. And then I was just, like, cranking the volume of my bass guitar and taking that to gigs, which is bad, which now I know is bad. And I never changed the strings. Like, I played that bass guitar for, like, a year and a half, and I never changed the strings on it because I just didn't know that was part of, like, guitar maintenance. Like, I never bought a guitar pick ever. And... Yeah, I just wanted to be in a band. I just wanted to be in a band. So I, I like lied my way into a band. And then like, you know, like you'll be playing shows and you just meet other bands. And I happened to tell one of them, I was just like, oh, I actually play keyboard too. And they're like, oh, that's great. Like we need a keyboard player. And so I just kind of like band hopped for a really long time. <laughs> I love that. There's so much to that because there's a false kind of mentality of like, okay, I need to be perfect before I put myself out there. Or I need to like have the perfect SoundCloud so people know I'm good and stuff. And you're just like, eh, I'm just, whatever. I just have a bass that I plug into a speaker that's going to blow on stage because it's not meant to handle this. Like, there's so much to that. Yeah, it was it was horrible. <laughs> I would never do that today. Like, I was just, I wanted it so bad. I wanted to be in a band so bad. I remember, like, leaving that rehearsal after they had told me that, like, I could be in the band. And I'm sure for them, they were just like, yo, no one wants to play bass. Like, right. we're, at, we're at the dregs right now. And this kid, like, he says he'll do it. So cool. He can be in. But, like, my whole week was made. Like, I went home, like, practicing in front of, like, mirror in my bedroom. Like, how cool it was going to be. I was, like, practicing doing the, like, <laughs> like <laughs> the guitar, like, spin, oh which is horrible God. with the bass because the neck it is so long. So I was, like, so trying heavy. to do that. Yeah, it was so stupid, but I was like so happy. I was like excited. I was like, I'm finally in something. I'm a part of a band. Oh, that makes me so happy because, yeah, it it is. That is kind of the mentality musicians like it's it serves musicians or artists when they're first starting out. Just like, ah, whatever. Like, you don't you're not precious about anything. You figure it out and all works out. I'm curious how like friends and family reacted like while you're at, you know, marketing school and you're also playing in these bands and you're like pretending to play bass for a bit. Like, were, was anyone like, what are you doing? Or was there any pushback at all? Or was it just like, eh, like he's doing his thing? 
my siblings were confused and they didn't show up like to the shows. I think they were just like, this is not part of our family. Like, this is not a thing that we deal with. Like, I don't understand what Omni's doing, but like, this is his thing. He seems to like it. Cause it was also like around the house, you know, we're listening to like a lot of like funk and hip hop and like gospel and R&B. And the bands that I was playing in were like, for, I was like in a ska punk band. I was in like a pop rock band. I was in like this metal band for a little while. And I'm just sure for my family, they were just like, I don't know where this came from. Like, this is weird. Like, I don't get it. But my parents did do like the good parent thing of being like, oh, yeah, like even if they wouldn't come to a show, they would like purchase a presale ticket so that Aww. there was like support. Like and so they were they were supportive, but I, I definitely could tell they didn't quite get it. They were just like, what? Like what happened? <laughs> and how about when you left school? Right. Like what was that process? Oh, like? yeah. I had a really long talk. My grandma actually encouraged me to leave school, but like I had a long talk with my mom who wanted me to stay. Like she wanted yeah. me to stay in college, but she was just like, you know, if you aren't happy and if your heart's not in it, like I don't want you to go there and just basically waste money. Cause at the time I was like paying yeah. um, for my way through school. But she did say, she, like I quit and I was still living at home. And she was like, if you're gonna live here, like, you need to still have a job like you can't just be like some like rocker bum that like lives in our place <laughs> and you have to like try like you I, you need to see this through like you can't just be the dude that like works at subway and has like some garage band well into his like 30s and never leaves and i was like okay i'll just like keep working at this thing then and so yeah. they kind of didn't like keep super hard tabs on me like what i was doing in music they were just like at least like try like if you're not going to devote yourself to school and you really want to make this a career, like actually do it. They were pretty supportive in that way. They let me continue to live there. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That's really Because really if good. I had to pay rent, there's no way I could have devoted nearly <laughs> as much time to like bands and stuff like that as I did. Yeah, yeah. And there's the stigma against like part-time jobs or working while you're building up your music career, but it's so necessary for 99% of us. Yeah, absolutely. Like I had it the whole way through. Like I moved out, like I moved to a different state and still had to like work somewhere, you know? Yeah. I'm curious what that transition to LA was like, because you just kind of moved there in your car and you didn't like have some crazy thing lined up. You didn't have like Hans Zimmer being like, come on board or anything <laughs> like that. You just came to LA. So I'm curious what that was like. I did lie to my parents that time. And, like, and we're cool now. We are cool now that it's like everything ended up okay. But I did like kind of lead them to believe that there was like something waiting for me out here. I was like, awesome. oh, I'm gonna go out there. And they're like, you have a job lined up? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of. And they're like, you got a place to stay? And I'm like, yeah, homie's gonna let me like sleep on their oh, couch. Man. And I just came out here and I like did the thing where I was just like sleeping in my car and like job hunting and like looking for things. And I was just like every single time they would call, I would just answer the phone and act like I was just getting ready to do something I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just running into the I got a meeting like oh, <laughs> I'll call wow. you guys right back. And then I remember it was really it was funny because they were so nice. My dad was like because he has a pickup truck and he was like, well, we can take all the rest of your stuff out there and help you move. And I was just like, oh, don't worry about it. I don't even remember the like creative lies I was telling him. I was just like, oh, hold off on that for a while. Like, oh, you know, got a weird thing with like the new roommate and just kept lying for like oh a month, a month and a half. And then I was like, OK, uh, you guys can come out here and move this stuff in. And even they like I think they figured it out because like when they were moving me into the place, I was like signing a lease and stuff. And they were like, haven't oh, you already wow. lived here for like <laughs> haven't you lived wow. here for two months? And I was like, nah, this is new. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's another thing. Like, I don't think I could do that today. I just came out here and I I went to a show like I drove out for for a show. And then after the show, I just like pulled into like a Target parking lot and then slept. 
and I God. just kept doing that. Like I just <laughs> kept not having a place to live. The scary thing though is like there was like a weird like event horizon where I was like, if I don't get a place soon, I'm not going to because you kind of like learn <laughs> yeah. how to adapt. And I was like, I think I might just be the car man unless I like <laughs> force myself to get a place. I was like not saving up as much money as I could have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh oh. But yeah, it was it was cool. I think it, that the prospect of that is scary to me now today. But at the time, I was just like so done with Arizona and I was like anything I go I'll go anywhere like <laughs> I don't blame you at all the two times I've been to Arizona I'm like all right <laughs> it's okay. time to leave <laughs> it's time to leave there's nothing here so like what when you were when you're in that kind of phase like there is a lot of persistence to what you did which I love it's really impressive that you're just like ah I'll figure it out let's just do it that's it's amazing so when was that first kind of initial, even if it was like $1 or one cent, that initial income from music, when did that happen? And how did it happen? Well, like, the funny thing is, like, I was making, I mean, not any real money, but I was like making money in bands in Arizona. But it was like, you know, they paid the entire band, like 50, 60 bucks. And there was like <laughs> six members in the band. So we were just like, well, that was cool. Like, this will be a sandwich later. <laughs> but I remember coming out here and... I once I got a place and got a job, I was working at Ikea and I can remember there was kind of like this weird explosion on SoundCloud where suddenly people like cared about SoundCloud and were like yeah. getting bookings based off of your SoundCloud. And I kind of like if I'm being honest, I was always hardworking, but I was just one of the ships that rose with like that weird turn of the tide. Like all of a sudden, Internet people that had like quite a bit of followers or songs, but had never played a show we're like playing shows for the first time in like legit places and not like at some coffee shop. And it's like, I had already done the like coffee shop and stuff like that in like Arizona when I was playing in bands, like in 2015, 2016, like there, there was a lot more bookings and there was just like more of a community for it out here. And I did start seeing like, especially during like busy months, I was like making enough money where I didn't even touch like my Ikea check. Like I was just spending like music money and I was like, oh, this is like, I might be able to like leave Ikea soon. I didn't get to nearly as soon as I would wanted. I wanted to at the time, but I mean, eventually I got out of there. But yeah, I was definitely coming out here and like playing those shows. I was seeing like a significant amount of money also because I feel like, and I don't know how true this is, especially like on a higher echelon, but like on a like smaller local level, when you're playing in bands, there's just so much maintenance, you know, with like all the different members and like, like lugging equipment around. Sometimes you have to like rent a trailer to get from like this state to that state to play a show. And so there's so much overhead. And then when I was just playing shows by myself all of a sudden when I moved out here, it was like like there was no overhead. Like I could fit everything in like my Jetta, go out to the show, even if I had to go up to like San Francisco or something like that. And then all of the money that I would normally have to split amongst members and stuff like that was just for me. And I think that had a lot to do with like the fact that I was seeing a little bit more money. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And when you're transitioning kind of out of Ikea, there's this thing that a lot of musicians have to do is they do so much random stuff. They might like work on, you know, scoring projects oh or they might like do commissions <laughs> or things like that. What did that look like for you for all the random bits that you had to do or or maybe still have to do? I mean, I did commissions for a long time. I became a brand ambassador for Honest Tea for like a year. <laughs> I was doing like everything. Like there was also this um, catering service where like you don't do any cooking. You kind of just show up in like slacks and, you know, the non-slip shoes. And they you just like work events. So I did like events for like the Grammys or whatever, where I literally was just like walking around with a tray. Like I needed like no training or anything, which is like now that I think about it, like. 
I could have really like messed up some events, but like you show up and it's like 20 minutes and there's like, hey, you go here, you do this, you do that, you do that, you report to this person and then you leave in six hours. You Here's your wow. timesheet. And I would do a lot of that. And then just doing like commissions like YouTubers, I would make their like theme songs for like their openings and stuff like that. Nice. And that was something I was just doing everything. <laughs> I was I was just trying to make money because what happened was I quit Ikea. <laughs> I quit Ikea during a really good time of the year for me. Uh-huh. And then that time, like, you know, turned into winter when, like, gigs and yeah. everything slowed down. And I was just like, wait, what do artists do when, like, festivals <laughs> and, like, events stop? Like, Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. So I was just doing everything, like, anything. And I feel like a lot of weird lucky things happen. Like, I was on the pier once, uh, the Santa Monica Pier, and I got, like, dragged to the side. There was, like, some, like, it wasn't even a game show. It was, like, a YouTube thing. And they were like, we'll give you a like $300, I think it was, if you let us shoot this apple off your head. We're going to get this person to shoot this apple off your head. And they just picked a <laughs> random person from the crowd with like a bow and arrow to like shoot off my head. And like the way my mind was going was oh I was like, God. they can't kill me. I was like, they're not allowed to kill. <laughs> like legally, I'm pretty sure I'm like, okay here. Like they can't like sh- headshot me with an arrow. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. <laughs> and they gave me the money. It was like, cool. It was like all like. They got all the way up into the point where they were going to like lose the air on there like, oh, wow, like, here's your money. Like, thanks for being a good sport. And like, there's a lot of weird situations like that or like some random like clothing thing. And you understand it's like in any of those big cities, if you just like go out and do things enough, you just kind of like fall backwards into like opportunities sometimes. <laughs> it's so true. And yeah, there is something to be said about being in a place that is a mecca for whatever it is you do like that's why i'm in seattle because there's so much video game stuff yeah is you know so good for music and stuff but like literally existing outside of your apartment in those places <laughs> makes a really big difference it's huge but you also do a lot of stuff like online you have a great online presence you make youtube videos which are hilarious oh thank and you so quirky and so funny <laughs> i love them so much you have every right to like go viral with all your stuff they're so funny uh i love them and also you do Twitch streams now, too. So can you talk about like how you started like building all of that into whatever you're doing, all the online stuff? When I was moving out here to L.A. at first, a lot of the artists that I knew out here, like the smaller artists, I only knew from like social media. That was like when I was getting super into social media. And so even after I moved out here, I would like post everything. And I honestly think the reason I was posting so much is because I didn't have any friends out here. So like when I got home from work, it was just like me, like in my living room. And I was just like, well, (laughs) like my parents aren't talking to me. Like I don't have any friends out here. So the only way I had friends was like by interacting with people through like Twitter and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I would post like anything on Twitter, Instagram. And if I didn't have any shows lined up, I was like, well, here's a cool song idea. And I would put a video around that and I would put it online. And I think it honestly, like, it like slowly led me into like things like Twitch and with how hard it got to play a show like last year, it would just happen to be like a happy coincidence that I had like a little bit of a cushion on the internet. But I think it was honestly because I moved out to a new city and I just, I didn't know how to build a group of like friends. I didn't really know how to do that without like the help of Twitter and stuff like that. So I really leaned in on like the apps. (laughs) But that helped, right? That did build that like support group. Yeah, it de- it definitely helped during those early years and also even like now still today. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. Like even if you don't know anyone, you can still find a way to know people, even a scary kind of big city. And now you're, you're a known quantity. People know you. People love you, rightfully so. So like when it comes to Twitch specifically, because, you know, you couldn't play shows last year especially – 
How did you kind of get into that? How has it kind of served you? Is there anything that surprised you coming out of Twitch? I was like, oh, I never expected this to come from this. I mean, I feel like I was actually fighting Twitch for a really long time, partially because when Twitch first came to me as a thing, like when I first was aware of it, it was like very gamer focused. Yeah. And I've never been a computer gamer, really. Like I've like muddled around with like some Valve games. But as far as like real serious, like computer gaming, I just I never have been that good. And so I kind of ignored Twitch for a really long time. And I would actually play piano. I would like record practices like on like Facebook Live or Instagram Live a while ago. And people would come into them because I would do them every day. And people were like, oh, you should like just do this on Twitch. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I think because like doing something on like Instagram Live is just like a cool like spur of the moment, like fun thing. It's not saved up. Um, It's just on your phone. But something about like being a Twitch streamer felt very intimidating and like it meant that I was like a streamer now. Like that was what I was. That was like my title. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. But then like I went from, you know, like Instagram to Facebook and then from Facebook to YouTube because like the quality was better. And I was like putting a little bit more effort into like framing the the stream. And then like eventually I just I ended up on Twitch. And I'll say the one thing that surprised me about the Twitch is that, man, there's just a lot of stuff happening on there that like I didn't. I mean, I'm naive, like even in like 2019, I kind of thought that it was like it was games, you know, it was like mostly games. I didn't realize that there was going to be like a Twitch stream. I mean, granted, these people are probably just like Internet celebrities I'm not aware of, but there's just like Twitch streams of people like literally just talking and not even about anything that important to me personally. And they're just like there's like thousands of people in the chat. And I was like, what is this? I completely misjudged what I thought this platform was. And so... I found out that like pretty much if you have just like any other platform, you know, like Twitter or Instagram, like if you have a thing that you're doing, there's kind of a space for you. You just have to like work to find it. Yeah. And have you noticed like, oh, all my fans followed me from all these other platforms or I'm seeing people that I never would have had like come to my shows otherwise via Twitch because now I'm on the Internet. Yeah, it's been really interesting. Sometimes there will be people that will actually come into the stream just because like it was on Twitch's like music tab. And then, like, after several streams, they're like, oh, I actually, like, know your music. I just didn't, like, put the two and two together. Like, I didn't realize you Twitch streamed. Because I don't really, like, broadcast, like, it on, like, uh, like my Facebook or Twitter or anything. I very rarely post that I'm even Twitch streaming. So, like, there's a lot of, like, not crossover where there's, like, a lot of random Twitch people that have found me through Twitch. But they'll ask questions like, hey, man, do you ever release music? Or, like, have you ever thought about, like, performing a show? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, these people don't know who I am. And then there's people like on Twitter or whatever that are like, oh, you should think about doing a Twitch stream that just don't like they don't know that it's happening already. It's really interesting. I love it. It's like a bunch of your worlds colliding without. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're like these separate spheres. That's super cool. I love that. So nowadays, considering you're more established, you have, you know, friend groups, all that sort of stuff. Is there any sort of, because I, I know we talked about it earlier when it comes to practice, you just kind of pick stuff up. You said you played bass, like those sorts of things. Has it changed? What's it look like now? Is it Does like the practice and getting better just come through you making music all the time or is it something else? I basically, in Arizona, was like doing everything because I was just like, I want to be in a band. Like, I want to have a good time. I want to be Mike Shinoda in Linkin Park. Like, I just like wanted these like <laughs> weird things. And I was just like working in no real path to get to them. I was just like, this feels good. And I feel like once I moved out here and I became more work oriented and stuff like that, I became like a machine. Like I became super efficient. And I I feel like now I'm having to kind of force myself to reconnect with that. Like, oh, let me just like have fun today. Like, like I have like this whole thing with like all my keyboards set up for my Twitch stream. 
But I realized like, oh, I very rarely actually play them unless the cameras are live. And I was like, maybe I should just like turn on the keyboard and like goof around and make noises like I used to. And it's been cool. I've been like actually like successfully reconnecting with that because I've never been somebody that likes practice. Like even like referring to something as practice or rehearsals or recitals like makes me bored <laughs> because I don't know, because I'm a child <laughs> and like I don't have any discipline. <laughs> but like if something is like proposed to me in the concept of like fun or games or just like enjoyment, like there's so many things like I think about how good I am at like just something as simple as like a first person shooter now. And it's not because like I like spent hours grinding out like drills or anything. I was just I had fun and I eventually got better. And so I'm trying to like regularly adjust my approach to music in a way that's like fun, like so that I can be mm. inspired to continue to do it, even with like Twitch streaming, like. If that becomes, because I know for some people, it, like it, it is their like primary source of income and it basically becomes a job. And I'm like, I just need to make sure that it's still fun for me on some level or else I'm going to like, I'm going to hate it. It's the same thing as clocking into Ikea. It's like at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It can. Yeah. No matter how like fun it is when it starts, you can absolutely lose the luster if you go like way too hard. Into yeah, it, definitely. Nowadays, you have so much that you do like you know, writing music all the time, Twitch streaming, you have videos, you have Instagram and Twitter, all those presences. There's a misconception that a lot of musicians have when they're first starting is like, oh, I need a manager. I need an agent, <laughs> all those yeah. sorts of things. And I, I I believe you do everything yourself, right? Like yeah. to that point of doing it all yourself. Yeah. I think that's like birthed from like, I'm super afraid of managers. <laughs> I have like an almost <laughs> infantile fear of like, managers because even when i was like in bands and like a manager would come in i always felt like the manager had really good ideas like even when i view this from the outside in i can see my flaw <laughs> i can see the like the fatal fly of like a manager will come in having no like emotional attachment to like the yeah. project and they'll have really great ideas and then the artist typically looking at like their baby that somebody's trying to like change, like gets like super weird and like and, and selfish and like short sighted. <laughs> and I think that my path has been so haphazard, but has like served me in ways like like sometimes like me going way out of the way. Right. Like doing a thing that I didn't necessarily plan on actually was like one of the coolest things for me. And like it got me a bunch of like really cool opportunities. And I think my fear is that uh, like a manager or somebody, anybody like a, a power that be will come in and go like, bro, this does not make sense. Like, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you want to do like you want to do game scoring. I don't know why you're Twitch streaming. That literally makes no sense. Like, let's focus up right now. Or like, oh, you want to tour? Why are you doing this? Like, I'm so afraid of somebody coming in and like pruning out the things that <laughs> possibly shouldn't even be there in the first place, but like that I enjoy. <laughs> and so it is just all me, whether it's for my benefit or detriment. I've, I've never had a manager <laughs> but you said something really important there it's like the things you enjoy yeah right? like it's it's really crucial there because it's it's I get if a manager comes in and is like oh don't do this thing that you hate like okay cool great I don't need to do yeah, the thing I hate I would be so grateful <laughs> yeah exactly but there's a very big difference if it's like no I really like twitch streaming how dare you tell me this <laughs> stuff yeah it's such a thing and I and I totally get it because it's like 
I've definitely been on the sideline when I've looked at a, a well-meaning manager come in and just be like, I don't know why they're doing this. Like, hey, man, like your brand is incredibly inconsistent. Like, are you a dubstep person? Are you a trans person? Like, I can't figure out what's going on here. And then I, looking at the situation, go like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Like, <laughs> homies brands all over the place. <laughs> but it's working for Yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it makes me happy, but... At this point, too, it's just like I don't I even it. know where they are. Like, I don't know what the bar is that managers hang out in that are going to, like, look at me and go, like, I could do something with this dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like a piece of meat people looking at. Like, all right. Yeah. Man, this is <laughs> like, we can mold him. We could do something. They're like, ah, he's like, he's been at this for too long. I feel like he's set in his ways. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it sounds like, one, you're having fun, which is great. And, two, it's working out for you. So that also is amazing. But... I'm sure during all this, manager or not, agent or not, like there are down moments for every, any creative where it's like, I don't feel like making stuff or like it, for it could be a day or it could be years. Like it can last a really long time sometimes. So there's this misconception of like, oh, musicians, artists have to create forever without any issue. And they're a robot and it's perfect. A song a day for the rest of their lives without ever taking a break. <laughs> but that never happens. So like, what do you do when those hit? Like, how, what have you dealt with those moments? I mean, I'm recently trying to be honest about them because like, I think that I was like part of the problem for a really long time. I would just straight up like lie to the audience. Like, I think a lot of people thought that I was, like, making a song every day. I was just having, like, a really good three days where I made a bunch of junk. And then I would just, like, space it out. Like, the same way that people, like, <laughs> space out a photo shoot on Instagram, like, for several weeks where it looks like they were in New York for, like, months when it was just, like, one <laughs> sick day of, like, a, like nine cool photos. Like, I think that I would do that all the time with music. I Like, people would get on Twitter and they're just like, this fool's always creating. And it's like, no, nah, I didn't, like, feel like it all the time. I would just, like, stockpile a bunch of stuff. Or I would, like game the system of like saying like oh what's really big now and it's wild now that i'm not doing that anymore that i see like people that were younger than me start doing that like i used to like if there was a song that was like if drake just released a song like i already had like a funny edit like a video or a remix or something of it and people were like this fool's always created and i'm like nah not really like <laughs> there's gonna be a few popping moments this season and i'm gonna jump on <laughs> the few popping moments Recently, I took a little bit of a break from like Twitter and Instagram and I came back and it was like immediately like I was seeing that I was seeing like, oh, Squid Game's really big. And there was just remixes of the Squid Game theme. And I was like seeing, oh, Sora just got announced for Smash and somebody had already made like a Smash version of like Dearly Beloved. And I'm like, wow, man, like we're still keeping that up, huh? Like, I think we're all part of like the problem by like being any level of like prolific movement makes everybody think like, oh, these fools are machines. Like. <laughs> They don't need a break. It's so true. Yeah, so it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And so in 2020, I was like, okay, I'm going to like not. I and, and it wasn't even a cool decision for me. It was just because I think like the world forced me to like stop because like one, I couldn't play any shows and two, nothing really cool was happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I relied on like really cool, fun moments to like turn around into songs. And like there was nothing like fun happening that year. And so... I didn't have any like content to repurpose. So I was just like, I think I'm gonna chill for this year. And I was mandatory, but then coming into like 2021 and like going forward, I was like, oh, I think it's actually okay if I like take a step back and then come back to the audience and take a step back and then come back to the audience. And I think there's a lot of artists that do that. Like, I think that we respect those artists. Like 
people who haven't seen a Rihanna album in forever and like we're okay or like if you don't see like a Robert Downey Jr. movie in a while it's like man fool was Iron Man forever like let him chill with his kids or whatever and I just feel like if all of us could like give ourselves that same level of like respect and space I think it would be better for everyone it's so true like we're in this mindset of like there's a new iPhone every year therefore we are doing something huge every year like no that's not <laughs> like no and it actually kind of in a weird way builds up hype when you don't do things like all the time exactly I'm trying to be more like that like I think that people expected things from me constantly and me delivering that like from my perspective I was doing that because they wanted it but it became this weird like cyclical like Ouroboros thing where like they wanted it because I was doing it and I was doing it because they wanted it and I was like well they're never going to tell me to take a break like somebody has to stop the cycle so I, I did take a break for a while. Yeah, we're our own bosses and sometimes our bosses suck in that we don't Absolutely. let ourselves take a break <laughs> and it's so important. And I'm like, did you get a lot of perspective when you did step away like and came back like, oh, okay, yeah, this was a good move. Yeah, it's so funny. It's because it's like one of those things like you, you force yourself to do something, whether it's building a habit or breaking a habit. And then once you build it, it's like hard to go back like. I like only like in last year, I like started doing yoga and I was like, this is weird, but I'll try. And then now it's like if I go three days without doing yoga, I feel like my body is like one of those dead spiders that's just like curled <laughs> up in a ball. I'm like, what happened? This I used to go years without yoga and I feel fine. Now I feel horrible. I feel like that happened where it was like so hard to not tweet or it was so hard to not check Instagram a bunch. I literally had to put like, you know, how phones have the built in like time allotment yeah. for apps. I like set Twitter and Instagram to just zero minutes a day so that I like couldn't open them. And it like forced me to do other things. I like drove up to um, Santa Cruz for the first time and like didn't even have my phone like on me. It was just in the car the whole time. And I was just like walking around like the boardwalk and like trying to be a human again <laughs> and coming back to like social media. Like I like tweeted for like the first time in like over a year, like a little while ago. And I was like, oh, it's cool. It like gave me some perspective. Like it doesn't have the same like dopamine, I guess, that it used to. But it also doesn't make me feel as bad as it used to. Good. And I think that I definitely got some perspective on just like being just a, a dude in a city because like a lot of times like I will tell people I did something like I have a discord and I'll tell people like, yo, I just had like the wildest like food or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, it was so cool. Like it's overcast. And then people are like, where are the pictures? Like, where are the pics of it? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even like take any like nice. <laughs> I had to take a picture for somebody recently because like in like that Pasadena Arcadia area, there's just like a bunch of peacocks all the time. And like trying to explain that to somebody that has never seen it doesn't make sense. There's like, there, why would there be peacocks in California? And it's like, I don't know, but there are, I can show you. And so I had to take a photo like yesterday of one because I just don't take photos anymore of like anything. I did the thing, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like sometimes you, you don't have anything interesting to say, but you need to post. like. <laughs> Oh, I've done that. And like sometimes I'll go on Instagram and I'm like, it's been a minute. I don't have anything interesting to share. So I'm just going to go through my camera roll. Maybe I can uh, farm like an old photo that was taken while I was in Korea. Or I can like find a video that I made and like crop it differently. So it looks like new content or something. And I was like looking for like stuff from my photo reel. And like I hadn't taken a photo in like two months. And I was like, whoa, that's wild. Like there's nothing fresh to share. Like I literally can't even like fake that. I have things to post on Twitter today, so I guess I just won't say anything. I kind of love that. There's wisdom in that. Like, you yeah. became a monk <laughs> in an interesting way. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was it was weird, but I feel like I have a little bit better uh, perspective now. A lot of things still don't make sense to me, like because that was so baked into like how I worked as a musician after a while that like I still don't really know like what like now I'm on Twitch, but I'm like I don't really know what the best way is to engage with the world at large if I'm not like tweeting five times a day, but. I'll figure it out, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's a more humane way to do it that is absolutely healing your brain to to do. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So I'm curious as like we kind of start wrapping up, do you have any inside or outside of music, inside or outside of your niches, role models that you look up to that are like, oh my god, even if they're alive or dead, doesn't matter, but just people you're like, yeah, this is someone that I really look up to. Or several. Oh my god. There's so many. There's so many weird ones. I really look up to Fred Armisen. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and a lot of comedians. Actually, a lot of the people that I look up to are like improv comedians that just like made it work and like and they ended up getting a show or whatever someday. I think I I look up to to Fred because he just he seems to constantly be working, which is like probably a detriment to me because I should be taking breaks. But I like it when you look at somebody's like catalog or their discography or their works and they aren't all like hitters like they aren't yeah. all like Oscar Grammy, but they were they were all honest, like attempts at a thing like they were a body of work like Fred Armisen was like a drummer in this band and you listen to it and it's like, yeah, this band didn't end up blowing up because we don't know him as a musician today, really. So it's like obviously this band didn't kill it, but it's like you listen to it and it's like, oh, this is pretty good. And like you look at the work on like SNL and it was good. Like I look at Portlandia and I'm like, this is a different thing. And like, yeah. like he's in this other show now that he like co-produced that's like all in Spanish. And it's like this like horror themed show. It's And so it's like he's just doing stuff all the time. And I really admire that. There's also a musician that goes by Danger Mouse that's like that, where he just like he seems to drift from project to project and he puts so much into it. And you can like hear his involvement. But it's like he's still not this person that like is like on the forefront of everything. He's just constantly working and like sharing great things. And most people, when they think of Danger Mouth, they might think of like Gnarls Barkley or they'll think about like the stuff that he did for Gorillaz. But it's like that's just a piece of a lot of equally impressive work, I, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I really like Keda, the guy that did uh, Katamari uh, Damacy. He's the same way where it's like a lot of people, myself included, when like Katamari came out, I was just like, man, where did this dude go? Like, <laughs> I want another Katamari. Like everybody was just yeah. like Katamari, Katamari. But it was like he was like doing cool stuff before that. And like he continued to do stuff after that. Like I, he made this game called Watam and I like played it. And I was like, this game is so good. And it's uh, like if I'm honest with myself and with the world, it's like that's never going to eclipse Katamari as far as like its cultural relevance. But when I'm playing it, I'm like, it's just as honest and well approached as any of his other works. And I think that as artists, a lot of the time when you have a big piece of work, like we have this like weird lie that everything's really like linearly upward. It's like you have this big piece of work. And then sometimes if you do something after it um, that isn't as well received, like it's discouraging or you'll cater your own expression to try to match whatever it was that was best received. And it's like really hard, like even I've like fallen into that a lot. And so seeing other artists just really like be in their own like lane all the time, whether it kills or doesn't, is like so inspiring. I, I love that. 
That's huge. That's huge. And yeah, speaking to the Katamari Damacy creator, he after Katamari, he made children's playgrounds all over Japan. Like it's just <laughs> yeah, it's it does wild. that's what he did right after, like before Watam. <laughs> and like it's such a good point that you know, those those playgrounds, maybe they're still there, maybe they're not, and they're not going to win a Grammy or anything like that. But no. it doesn't have to because you can't always <laughs> have, like, knockouts. And if you try to, you're going to go crazy. And yeah. you can't have the big cultural moments unless you're doing stuff in general. And it's probably impossible to predict, too. Like, you cannot predict, this is going to be the hit. All right. <laughs> Absolutely not. And if you do, you're like almost always wrong. Yes. Like you're always just like, this one's gonna be it. Like this is the one. And like everybody just sleeps on it. And then it's the like garbage that you just like toss out effortlessly that people want more of. Every time. Every yeah. single time. <laughs> I love that. So as a second to last question, as we start wrapping up, what was your definition of success when you were first starting out? And that could, Starting out could mean anything. It could mean when you were really little. It could mean when you started college. It could mean when you quit college and moved to L.A. And how has that definition of success changed to today? My definition of success when I was like starting music was just Warp Tour. Like I thought that that was like it. I didn't know what anything else was. I thought that that was like the biggest thing you could do as a musician was play Warp Tour. And I didn't get to play. Like it's gone, I think now. Like so that's that dream is dead. So it definitely <laughs> changed my <laughs> my idea of success had to change. And it changed a few times like at at a certain point I think it became money. I think for a lot of people just in a capitalist society success just kind of is money at some point in your life. And I think now, I think success is just like being happy with the thing that I made. And I still struggle with that. Like, I still don't even know how to do that half the time. But it's like, I have enough money to live. Like, I'm not hungry. I'm no longer in my car, like sleeping in the backseat <laughs> of my car. So it's like, as far as money, like, I don't really need that much more than this. Like, I don't need to like own a house. I don't need any of the wild stuff. It's like, I'm living, I'm happy, I'm safe, I'm comfortable. Now I would just like to be able to like look at the thing that I make and have that like Katamari to children's playground to Wat Tom like level of like honesty and the approach and also fulfillment from it. Like I still, if I'm being transparent, can do the thing where I like love a song and I'm like, this is amazing. And I put it out and the reaction to it does like still like oh like maybe it wasn't that good or like uh oh like i think i screwed up like it, i want to get to a point i think success is getting to a point where that's not a thing anymore <laughs> like where i can just be happy with my own stuff i think that's awesome that's a i think that's a super good definition i love that and last question as we wrap up where can people find you discords twitch streams instagram twitter all that oh stuff. yeah Basically on everything, I like really lucked out with the name Omniboy and that it's like kind of not on anything. And so like Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and SoundCloud and Spotify, like everything. I'm just Omniboy um, with an I. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is so cool. <laughs> That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash sound biz pod. Sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game, music, and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.
And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.